Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Bibles tonight, Isaiah chapter number six this evening, Isaiah chapter number six. And I want you to stand with me, if you will. You've been seated for a little while. Let's stand. And I want to read about 13 verses tonight, Isaiah chapter number six and uh, verse number one. Uh, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy. How many of you would like to pause right there and just say amen tonight? He is holy. Isn't it good to be saved tonight? Washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus in the house of God tonight, uh, knowing that our God is holy, holy, holy. I think tonight we could do a little better. Aren't you glad we serve a holy God tonight? Amen. Is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4, and the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, I want you to notice, I want you to pay attention tonight to verse 5. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isn't it amazing tonight when you see the Lord Jesus, how it changes how you see yourself? Verse 6, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Notice this. Then said I, Here am I, send me. Isaiah has responded once, then said I, woe is me. He's responded again, then said I, here am I, send me. Look in verse 9, and he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. You hear, but you don't hear. You see, but you don't see. Uh, any any preachers uh, in here tonight uh, know uh, what Isaiah or what the Lord was talking about when He was talking to Isaiah. Any Christians in here tonight know uh, what God was talking. They see, but they don't see. They hear, but they just don't hear. Verse 10, make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Then said I, notice it again, verse 11, then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall be a tenth, and it shall return, and shall be eaten as a teal tree, 
and as an oak whose substance is in them, when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. That's all 13 verses of Isaiah 6. Let's pray tonight. You pray for me, all right? Our Heavenly Father, we love you this evening. We do. God, we thank you tonight that you love us. And we love you because you first loved us and gave yourself for us. God, thank you tonight to be among Christians. Thank you tonight, God, to be among brethren. Lord, I'm glad this evening this world is not my home. And God, I've got something far greater prepared for me than down here. But if I'm going to live down here, I'm glad I don't have to do it alone. God, I've got you and I've got your people. I've got your word and I thank you for it tonight. God, I pray that you'd help. I pray God you'd bless as I preach the word of God, as I endeavor to. God, use me for your glory. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I know Isaiah chapter 6 is a familiar portion of Scripture. Uh, I probably, I guess, one of, if not the most familiar portion of Scripture, at least in the book of Isaiah. Uh, maybe uh, one or two others would be up there. Uh, the prophecies of the Lord Jesus, the seed that would come. But I know it's a familiar portion of Scripture, but I want to take a little bit tonight. Uh, and I want to look at these three times that Isaiah responds to the voice of God uh, when God speaks to him. And I want to preach tonight on uh, uh, how Isaiah responded uh, to the voice of God. Now, I believe this evening God's still speaking. How many of you believe that God's still speaking? I believe he still speaks to sinners. I, I'm glad, thank God the preacher told me that y'all had one saved here recently. Aren't you glad tonight that God still saves old sinners. I am one of them that is saved, and I'm glad that he does. Amen. I believe tonight God speaks to his people, and he's got something to say. Thank God for the word of God where he speaks. Thank God for the preaching of the word of God where he speaks to his people. But it is not just that God speaks, but it is important in how that we respond. I find in Isaiah the right response to uh, the voice of the Lord. Uh, by way of introduction tonight, uh, I would like to uh, at least uh, familiarize you and I uh, with the setting in Isaiah chapter 6. The Bible said that uh, in the year that King Uzziah died. Uh, Uzziah, here's what the Bible said about him. We know he was the king over Judah. We know he was uh, Isaiah's king uh, and he was a good king. The Bible Bible said that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Uh, that's hard to find in a political leader. That's hard to find in a national leader. A man that did that was right in the sight of the Lord. And yet Isaiah had a king uh, that believed God, and this was the testimony of God. He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. I'd, I'd like to say to you tonight that Isaiah loved God just as much as you and I do. Isaiah loved his country just as much as you and I do. And Isaiah was disturbed at what he saw all going on in the land that he loved. Make no mistake about it. The hour that we live in is not new. There's nothing new under the sun. I understand that it's terrible. Uh, ter uh, ter uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, troublesome is a good word. Times. I understand that we live in a day of turmoil. But I want you to know uh, that it has never been a time uh, when there's not been turmoil uh, in someone life in some land. Isaiah loved his country. Isaiah loved the people of God. Isaiah loved his king, but his king has died. The only thing you can find about Uzziah that he does wrong, and God does deal with him for it, is he offers incense in the, in the temple, which he had no business doing. He took upon himself the place of a priest uh, and tried to do what God had not ordained or called called him to do. That ought to be a warning tonight to me and you to stay in our lane.
mean and do what God's called us to do. If God's called you to serve him in some capacity, do it to the glory of God and don't mess around where somebody else is supposed to be serving the Lord. God uh, deals with Uzziah. Fifteen years he lives with leprosy. He dies as a leper. Uh, and now uh, uh, Isaiah has buried the king that he loves. Uh, in a little bit of research I found that Judah and Israel is on a downward slope. Uh, there is problems all around. It was just the previous chapter, chapter 5, where God indicts Israel and says, I'm bringing judgment because of here's what you've done. Your rulers are drunks. Your leaders are rebels. Your people are reprobate. And I've had it up to here and I'm done with it and I'm bringing judgment. And Isaiah the patriot, Isaiah the child of God, Isaiah the man of God is living in times that are not conducive to serving Lord, to serving the Lord. How many of you feel tonight, I know it's a preacher's fellowship, how many of you feel tonight like sometimes I, I, I would be better suited for days gone by? Anybody ever feel that way? Uh, seems to me like uh, uh, unless you're going to drop every standard you got, change your Bible and put on a show, uh, it's hard to get anybody uh, interested in what's going on. You say, preacher, I feel like I'm too outdated and too old-fashioned for the times. I believe Isaiah knew something about that. Uh, I'm 37 years old. I feel like a, 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 a I feel like an old man uh, in a younger man's body uh, because uh, thank God somebody in my life invested some truth in me uh, that anchored me uh, uh, somewhere back yonder, and I just ain't been able to get away from it uh, to the glory of God. Yeah. But I am living uh, in a world that don't like what I do, Brother Ford. Uh, they don't appreciate our message. They don't want to hear it. And God has asked us to say some hard things and to take some stands in an hour where it is not popular at all. I don't know. Uh, that it's going to get any easier. As a matter of fact, tonight, I think I'd just about go on record and say, it ain't going to get any easier until the Lord Jesus comes. But how many of you could shout all the way to the house tonight that he's coming uh, and he's coming soon? Uh, he said he would. Uh, I still believe him tonight. Isaiah's heartbroken. He's lost his king. Isaiah's heartbroken. He's losing his country. Isaiah's heartbroken. Uh, the people of God have rebelled against God. It's, it's one thing uh, uh, to be in turmoil over uh, national leaders. It's one thing uh, to see the world uh, going the way that it is. But then when you look at the people of God and you see so much change, uh, uh, even within the church, uh, what a difficult time to be in. Yeah. It is Israel that's been indicted. It is Israel, not just the nation, but the people of God that have been indicted by God in the previous chapter. Right. And now God's got something to say to Isaiah that's going to keep him in the ministry. God's got something to do for Isaiah that's going to keep him uh, uh, serving the Lord. Uh, you say, preacher, all I can see is trouble all around. Thank God I saw somebody before I ever saw trouble. Uh, when I started, I thought everybody loved everybody. I thought all preachers got along. I, I thought all churches were in fellowship. I, I'm glad I saw him before I saw them. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> And if you're doing it, I'm not here to, uh, to preach to a bunch of preachers and tell them how to do it tonight because I'm still trying to figure out. And if you got it figured out, would you come get me at the end of the service and let me know? Amen. 
And I'm glad, thank God, I'm not in it for them. I'm glad that's a byproduct. I'm not in it for you, and I better not be in it for me. But I'm glad, thank God, tonight I saw him. Isaiah saw the Lord in the middle of his crisis. He saw the Lord, and it was the very thing he needed to sustain him. And his response kept him in the will of God. I guess I'd like to say it to you like this tonight. If you, and, and I know this is a tricky word, y'all are going to, you know, be at all just a little when I say it because it's not the word that we probably ought to use, but I'll explain it. If you're going to have success in the ministry, you better learn to respond to God like Isaiah did. He said, I didn't know we were in it for success. Well, success is not measured on how we measure success. The way I measure success and God measures success is two different things. I, I, I don't know what success looks like, uh, but God does. And if I'm going to be where God wants me to be, stay where God wants me to stay, and do what God wants me to do, and do it faithfully, I'm going to need to learn how to respond to God. I see a bunch of old timers in here I, and, and some men of God and, and some ladies who love the Lord, uh, Brother Ford and different ones. He's been to our place. I don't know if you remember, come to our place several years ago. And, 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 and man, I want to finish this thing right. I want to stay with God. I, I want to be toeing the line. I, I'm not talking about being a smart aleck. I'm not talking about being a jerk. I'm not talking about being rude. I'm talking about being full of grace and love and compassion and mercy and truth and righteousness. If I'm going to make it, I better learn how to respond to God like Isaiah said, or like he did. Notice these three responses tonight, and I'll get out of the way. I miss supper, and I'm disturbed about that. <laughs> Plenty over there. If y'all will feed me tonight... If somebody will go over there and feed me, I'll preach quick as I can. <laughs> I want you to notice these three responses, and I don't want you to write them down. I want you to take them home with you this evening. Then said I, woe is me. The first response I'd like to point out to you tonight is that of his perspective. You say, preacher, is perspective a response? Well, we know the word perspective is uh, how you see something. Uh, it is your perspective. It is your vision. It is how you view a matter. And so how you view a matter is a response to that matter. Isaiah could say, God has indicted Israel and it's bad. The king we love is dead and it's bad. He our hero went down because of sin and it was bad. The place has fallen apart and it's bad. The church is the church is struggling and it's bad. But it was when he saw the Lord that it changed his perspective about himself and his situation. Amen. I think tonight we see too much that's going on around us and it consumes our mind and we talk about it, we complain about it, we frustrate ourselves about what's going on. We're watching the news. We've got a 24-hour-a-day news cycle and we're plugged in. You say, well, I watch conservative news. That'll depress you too. I mean, if you're going to do it all day, at least watch something conservative, but don't think that you're going to be any less depressed. What we see through our perspective is trouble. What we see is tribulation. What we see is end of time stuff. What we see is preacher, you just can't get folks to come to church like you used to. And if you get them to come to once, you can't get them to come back Sunday night. And they won't come back. When. No, but there's somebody there. There's a crowd there. And I tell you who else is there? The Lord Jesus is there. And if he's there and you see him, it is greater than any problem you got going on. Amen. 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 
As preachers, we get consumed about who's not there. Huh? I love meetings like this. Uh, and I love, we have revival meetings, we have camp meetings, we have youth meetings, and I always enjoy them and hate them at the same time. And only the pastors know what I'm talking about. I enjoy them. I enjoy them. Praise God. God's going to meet with us and it's going to cost us an arm and a leg. I might not get paid next week. Somebody help me right there. And, 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 and then I'm going to be worried about, God, please, I hope the church shows up. <laughs> Am I talking to anybody who knows what I'm talking about tonight? Yeah, amen. And you can't even enjoy your own revival meeting because you're mad at three people that don't know you're mad at them. <laughs> You spent all that money to bring that preacher in and them singers in uh, and you booked them hotels and you bought them meals uh, and you prayed for six months uh, and you sat there mad as you can be because three people that don't like church didn't show up. Huh? And that's all you can see. And you go home and you get in the car and your wife says, what's wrong with you? And, and, and you say, well, I can't believe they didn't show up and they didn't show up. And, they, and usually, usually she's not on the same page with you. Uh, it gets bad when she gets on the same page with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's only been a couple times me and my wife was on the same page at the same time. I thought it was, I thought it was going down, man. <laughs> It's over now. We're on the same page at the same time. She'll say, but look who was there. Look what the Lord did do. I'm, am I talking to anybody that's hearing me tonight? I'm afraid when God speaks, we're too worried about what everybody else is saying, what everybody else is doing, what's going on at the church down the road. They're busting it out of the seams, it looks like. People coming from everywhere, and it ain't going that way where you are, and all you can hear and see is what everybody else is doing. And then one of the worst times of Isaiah's life, one of the lowest valleys ever walked through, buried his king, watched his nation fall apart. God said, Isaiah, you've been looking low for too long. I want you to look up here. I got something to show you. You say, what do you reckon that God showed him? I believe he saw the Lord Jesus seated on a throne. And when he saw the Lord Jesus, it was enough for him to dig in his heels and go another mile. Is anybody glad in the middle of your low place, in the middle of your depression or your discouragement or your defeat, God still knows how to show up and speak to you. To change your perspective about your situation. But not only about your situation, about yourself. Because if you're not careful, you'll get the victimhood, martyrdom. Woe is me, but it's not the holy woe is me, it's the Eeyore woe is me. <laughs> And they'll be trying to book you on Dr. Phil so you can blame it on your mama and your daddy and your church folks <laughs> while you're in the shape you're in. Huh? Everybody's a victim now, ain't that right? Everybody's a martyr. Everybody's a victim. Well, I tried to serve the Lord preacher. It just didn't work. I tried to live by faith. I tithed for a week and a half, preacher, and, and it just didn't work. <laughs> And now I, I don't know what I'm going to do. But when Isaiah saw the Lord, he wasn't just woe is me about, him, about his situation. It didn't just change his perspective about his situation, but it changed his perspective about himself. Yeah. I'm afraid tonight that we think God owes us something because we learned how to tie a tie. And I'm for tying ties, but God don't owe you any more today because you can tie one than he did yesterday before you learned how. If God gave you a Sunday school class, praise God for it. But you don't, God don't owe you a thing more today because you got a class to teach than he did when you was a bus kid riding in the church with hand-me-down clothes and didn't know anything about the goodness of God. Amen. Well, I've been serving God all these years and God ain't ever done that for me. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were somebody. I'm excuse us. We didn't realize we was in the presence of someone. Well, I'm just as good as he is, and God don't give me any means to preach. I'm just as good as he is. My church ain't as, ain't as, uh, ain't as good as uh, his is, and we're not growing. Is anybody here? I know nobody wants to say amen anything like that. But we all think that way. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know God was supposed to roll out the red carpet because finally he got one in here who can just, I mean, just, just, just handle himself in a pulpit, handle himself in a position, handle herself in the ministry. I remember I took our church. I've been there 15 years now. I took our church. I was 22 years old and didn't have a lick of sense. <laughs> They didn't either. They wouldn't have voted me in. They were desperate. <laughs> I found out later there was a couple of them in there that knew that I didn't have any sense and they wanted to run stuff and they thought if we get somebody with no sense in here, we can run the thing. Little did they know I didn't have sense, but I, what I didn't have in sense, I made up for in courage. <laughs> When you don't have sense, you, you don't take people's threats. It's like, yeah, you, that was dumb of you to say that. I'm going to do what I want to do anyhow. <laughs> Fifteen years ago, I took our church. I'll never forget. I made a statement behind the pulpit. One of them no sense statements. And I, I made a prophetical statement, I thought. I said, by this time next year, now that y'all got a pastor... <laughs> We're going to have, I ain't going to tell you how many folks I said we was going to have, but we ain't got it yet. I've been there 15 years. <laughs> I said, by, by this, that's funny preaching to preachers because all whether you said it or not, you thought it. <laughs> Unless God called you in the ministry and you was like 60 years old and you had wisdom. If you started out young, you'd said and done some stuff that you ought to be ashamed of and thank God for grace. I couldn't be a works-based preacher even if I thought it was right, because I and I don't, but I'd be in a mess if it was. I know that's a joke. We got plenty of Bible tonight to back up that it's not. It's by faith. I said, uh, we're going to have such and such because I'm here. I didn't say it like that. But how else do you take that? <laughs> Y'all ain't ever had that before, but now we're going to because I'm here. And I've been here 15 years, and I think sometimes the Lord, and we've got close to that number. I'm not going to tell you what the number is. It is not that big of one. <laughs> That's the reason. It's not that it's some way out there number. It's, it's that I don't want you to know how low the number was that I ain't been able to get to. <laughs> In 15 years. <laughs> Woe is me. I, I, need, I need to see him. I need to hear him. Because I need to quit looking at my situation and letting it run stuff in my life. And so do you. And I need to quit looking at myself and thinking, I don't deserve this unfair treatment. I can't believe you said that about me. I can't believe you got my parking spot. I can't believe you sat in my pew or my chair. I can't believe that. Can you believe they did that? <laughs> Problem is, is, we've been looking at us way too long. <laughs> And we need to remember that when I was a nobody, nobody, lost on my way to hell, deserved hell, I still do, by the way, but for the grace of God. But it was Jesus who reached way down. When he reached down, he had to reach way down, the songwriter said. When the Savior, nobody ever books me to sing, I just, I just book myself. Reach down for me. I started in too high of a key. That's all you're going to get. <laughs> he had to reach way down. 
done for me. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? I was lost and undone without God or his son. And when he reached down his hand for me, once my soul was astray. I'm trying to tell you tonight, I'm a nobody and so are you. And I am what I am, Paul said, by the grace of God and my situation and myself is little in comparison. Once my soul was astray from the heavenly way, I was wretched and vile as could be. But my Savior in love, He showed me peace from above when He reached down His hand for me. Woe is me. You know what you ought to do? Go home tonight and say, God, all these problems I've been griping about, all these people I've been complaining about, I'm just glad you let me be doing something for the glory of God. I'm just glad I'm in the fight. I'm just glad I'm in the battle. I'm glad I'm not washed up or washed out or washed over. Lord, it ain't easy, but it sure is good being in the family of God. Amen. I thought about Either I thought it or I heard somebody say it, but I'll claim it if you like it. If you don't, I heard somebody say it. <laughs> Noah on that boat with his wife. She probably got seasick because all good preachers' wives do. They get car sick. You know, you're riding up and down the road and she's sick. My wife... My wife, she don't do it, so I, I take advantage of it. I said, well, you get over here and drive. I'll sit over here and sleep. <laughs> It'll work. Y'all just got to let control go a little bit, fellas. She ain't going to kill you, and if she does, you're going to heaven. <laughs> if you go to sleep, you wouldn't know about it. Knowing that bunch and that boat, there was sons and daughter-in-laws and a mother-in-law and a father-in-law. And if you go get any of them, if you go get them three girls married to Shem, Ham, and Japheth, say, what'd you think about it? They said, boy, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to ever do that again. <laughs> you talk about trouble. You talk about it smells on that ark. There's fights on that ark. Parents and children, in-laws. But you ask them, you get down to business. But boy, wasn't it better being in that boat than it was if you'd have been out. And every one of them said, boy, I'm just glad that I got on. I don't know why God showed mercy. I don't know why God showed grace. It's just the goodness of God in my life. And it gets bad. It gets rough. Am I talking to anybody here in me tonight? It gets difficult. We want to throw in the towel. We want to quit. We want to hang up our hat and go to the house. We want to take up our toys and go home. I, I ain't playing no more. But oh, I'm glad. Thank God tonight. It's better to be in the boat than it is to be out of the boat. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Here's the second response tonight. I'm moving quickly. My wife tells me I need to quit telling people that. She said, see, y'all don't know me, though. She don't know if I'm lying or not. But my folks, they know anymore that uh, moving quickly don't mean anything. <laughs> But I am hurrying the best I can. Are y'all all right? I'm having fun preaching tonight. Verse 8, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Here's the second response of Isaiah to the voice of the Lord, not only perspective, but pliability. Then said I, Here my Lord, send me. You know, that makes sense to me. If God, at least part sense to me, if God would have said, now Isaiah, here's what I want done. 
And Isaiah could look over the matter and say, okay, I think I can do that. Here, my Lord, send me. But God never told Isaiah what he wanted done. He just said to himself, whom shall we send? Who will go for us? And whom shall we send? Send where, I'd like to know. Do what, I'd like to know. But Isaiah had saw the Lord and said, you don't have to tell me where, and you don't have to tell me what. If you're looking for a man to go, here am I. Send me. This, this, this young people, the youth group was up here singing, praise God for you. You know what you ought to do tonight? You ought to write God a blank check and say, God, just because I know you, just because I love you, just because you've been good to me, whatever you want from my life, I'll give it to you. You say the word and I'll do it. I seen the preacher's son a minute ago up here praising the Lord. Somebody said, boy, that's cute. I tell you, it's more than cute. It's holy. I've lost church members over that. We had a bunch of young boys get on fire for the Lord just a couple, two or three years ago. We was in a building program, and, and we had a wealthy man. He was a millionaire. As far as I know, the only one I've ever pastored uh, before or after that. Uh, if some of y'all got some, praise the Lord for you. I hope they're Christians, but ours wasn't. I guess, I guess he was. I shouldn't say that. He was a good man. But he said, preacher, them kids up there praising the Lord embarrasses me. He said, uh, they was shouting, and them boys was running. I mean, they was, they was praising the Lord. They would liable to tear something up. I know that scares folks. I let them go. All hell's coming. You want to run for the Lord, take off. And give God glory. They're going to slow down here in a little while when they run into Baptists and the brethren and the devil and the world. Just let them hit the ground running. Amen. Leave them alone. They don't know what they're doing. They don't have to. I don't, I, I've, been doing, I've been preaching for 20 plus years. I don't know what I'm doing. I've seen him. That fella come to me and said, Preacher, I try to bring folks to church, and every time I do, one of them boys stands up and shouts and embarrasses me. I'm going to have to go somewhere else if you don't do something about it. I said, Brother, I love you. I don't want you to go nowhere, but you're looking at one preacher ain't going to do one thing about it. Amen. He said, I knew you wasn't. We'd already decided we was gone. I just wanted to let you know. I said, well, I'm glad you know that about me. And I went to church the next Sunday and said, We're about to be poor, but boys keep on shouting. Amen. <laughs> I just throw this out there. God help us preachers when we bow our message and bend our message and, 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 and bankrupt our message for somebody with some clout and pull in society. You say there's anything that going on? There's a whole bunch of it going on, and it ain't just at the contemporary church down the road. It's at the independent fundamental Baptist church as well. Isaiah said, here am I, send me. I don't know where you want me to go or what you want me to do, but I'll do it. I was 19 years old. I had a job at Bell South Telephone Company. Good job. I guess it's AT&T now, but it was, it was still long enough back then when it was, a, I mean, I guess it's a good place to work now, but it was one of them kind of places that you got that job, you held on to it. Chattanooga, Tennessee, I, I grew up in Dalton, Georgia. I drove to Chattanooga and went to work. That's where I was from. We had family land. My grandpa was a preacher, had good church. Uh, I was dating my wife, who's my wife now. We were dating at the time. Uh, life was good. God called me to go. And uh, I wrestled with it. And I told God how good my job was. <laughs> and I told God how good that family land looked and what I could build on it. And God wasn't impressed by none of it. <laughs> I loaded up that 92 Ford Ranger headed to Augusta, Georgia, 2005. <laughs> Cried all the way to Atlanta. God, I ain't ever left home, and I don't want to leave home. But me and God had gotten a wrestling match, 
and God won. And I decided I couldn't live without him. And if God was going to be in Augusta, I'd rather be in Augusta with him without anything else I had than be in Dalton without him. And we load, me and God loaded up in that 92 Ford Ranger, single cap, nothing in it but a suitcase and a futon. And headed to Augusta. I didn't have anything. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have any children. Everything I had, I put in the, in the bed of that truck. But in my mind, I gave everything I had, and I did. All right, God, it's all yours. That's not easy to do when you don't have much. It's even harder to do when you get something. I've been at my place 15 years. I've lived down here almost as long this September. I've lived down here as long as I lived back home. 18 years. Uh, I think that's right. Maybe may be off. I'll be 38 this year, so <laughs> I don't know. Close enough. Within a year. I, I wrote God a blank check and said, God, if you want, if you want it, I'll give it. But I got a house now with a six-tenths of a mile long driveway. People scared to come down my driveway. They don't know what's back there. <laughs> Over half a mile long driveway. I'm not bragging. I'm bragging on the goodness of the Lord. We got land. We bought some land uh, in 2019. 2015, I bought my house. 2000, a house and 10 acres. In 2019, the 40 acres in front of me come up for sale. And the man, the man let me buy it before it went to market. I bought my house before it went to market. And God let me get a good deal on it. And, and I bought my land before it went to market. God let me get a good deal on it. We got corn planted. I got cows. I had cows back home. I don't mean nothing to some of y'all, but that's what I left behind. And God let me have it. Everything I wanted to have and didn't have, God let me got. God let me have. Amen. The other day I was walking down that long driveway with the Lord, and I got to thinking about all that I had. Eighteen years later, Lord, this house I love it. This land I love. These cows I love them. I like the way they smell. <laughs> I like the way they look. We got full-blooded Herefords. Beautiful. This truck, this car, these dogs, my wife and kids. <laughs> I forgot them. They're not here. <laughs> I was walking down my driveway with the Lord. God said, would you do it again? That's easy to say when you got everything you got will go, and it's not easy to say then. But when everything you got will go in a little box. But when God's give you some stuff, oh, am I talking to anybody? When God's give you some stuff and you've invested your life into that ministry and you've you've got all your hopes and dreams wrapped up in that ministry, and God come by and say, "Would you give it all again if I asked you to?" I was walking down the driveway. I said, God, I love it and you know it. I love my church. I love our school. I love our ministry. I love what you've given my wife and I and our children. I love our home. I love our land. I love those cows. But God, you've been so good to me. And if you want it, it's still all yours. And I meant it. God knows it. And what we need to do tonight is keep on responding with, Woe is me. God, I'm nobody. But keep on responding with, God, I gave you everything when I started. And that bank account didn't have anything then. It don't have much now, but it's got more now than it did then. Somebody holler, Amen. amen. And if it don't, just hold on. but it's still all yours. And if you want it,
you can have it. And if you want to make it in the ministry in these days, you better not hoard anything up that don't belong to God. You better not stockpile anything on the side that God can't get His hands on. You better not corner any, is anybody hearing me tonight? You better not corner anything up and say, now God, I figured out this and I've got a handle on this. It all was God's in the beginning. You started out by faith. Go get your prayer altar till all that faith comes back that you can say, God, it still belongs to you. Here's the last response. He said, Go and tell this people, hear you indeed, but understand not, and see you indeed, but perceive not. You see, but you don't see, you hear, but you don't hear. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy. Shut their eyes, verse 10, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. First response, perspective. Lord, you don't owe me anything. It's all right. What's going on? Because I've seen you. Second response, pliability. Here am I. Send me. You don't have to tell me. What? I'm just letting you know I'll do it. You found your man. You found your man. Some young people ought to get an altar tonight and say, God, you found the one you're looking for. Here am I. You ought to get you a piece of paper and write on it. Maybe some of us adults ought to write it on that paper and date it on such and such date, June the 12th, 2023. I, and write your name out, give everything I own, everything I have, everything I ever will have, I give it to God. It's all yours and it'll be yours and sign your name to it. Give it to God. Put it in your Bible and every now and then when you forget that. Open it up and remember that promise you made to God. Your life belongs to Him. Mamas and daddies, you ought to give your children to God. You say, Preacher, I want, my, I want mine to move in uh, next door to me and I want to live by them all of my days. There's nothing wrong with wanting that. There's nothing wrong with praying for that. But I promise you, uh, you'd rather them live in, in Africa on the other side of the world in the will of God than to live in a trailer next door to you uh, and not know God uh, and hooked on drugs and raising your grandkids out of the will of God. Give them to God. And if they're doing that right now, I'm not saying you didn't give them to God. You can't control them when they're grown. I'm just saying if you had your choice, give them to God. Third, patience. All right, Lord, I said I'd go. Now, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? He said, I want you to go preach to these people and tell them. Y'all don't see, y'all don't hear. I bet he's about to get a million Facebook likes. <laughs> They're tuning in his Facebook live channel, ain't they? Y'all come hear what Isaiah said tonight. He keeps preaching that same old message. Y'all see, but you don't see. You got eyes, but you're blind. You got ears, but they don't work. Well, he was preaching that message 20 years ago, but still preaching the same thing. He needs to update with the times. Isaiah's response was, okay, how long? And God said, well, it's bad now, and it's getting worse. And until it just gets completely bad that I'm done, that's how long. And Isaiah spent the rest of his life and didn't see half of the stuff that he prophesied would happen. He was prophesying that a Savior would come. He never saw him. He was prophesying the restoration of Israel. He never saw it. He was prophesying the millennial reign in, in chapter 25, and he still hadn't saw it. He saw it by faith, and he preached it, and he preached it with patience and never saw the fruit. They just kept doing it. He just kept doing it because God said he was supposed to, and he just kept doing it. 
I'd like to pastor about a thousand, and if some of you do, praise the Lord for you. I'd like to. But I ain't seen nowhere near it. And it bothers me. It used to not. I wish it didn't now, but it does. Not that a thousand, but you know, you want it to grow more. And I think maybe if we, something a little wrong with us if we don't want it to grow because growth comes from converts. And we're in the gospel ministry. Right? How long? Isaiah it ain't about their response. It ain't about their applause. It ain't about what you can build. It ain't about your name. It's not about your recognition. It's about you being faithful to preach my message. And you may never see any of it come to pass in your life, but you keep on preaching it. And if God does everything for you in your lifetime, you ought to thank God for it. But if you serve your whole life and you never see it happen in your life, you ought to thank God He let you do something for the glory of God and know that it might not happen now, but there's coming a day God's going to do everything that He was going, that He said He was going to do. And I just want to keep on serving Him. Is anybody in here tonight just want to serve Him faithfully till He gets here? Amen. Patience. Because I promise you this one thing. When we all get to heaven, what a day, glorious day that'll be. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Lord, I love you tonight. What a blessing it's been to preach here to these dear folks. Lord, I pray, God, you'd help me to apply what I've preached myself. Help us take it home with us. God, help me always, always be pliable. Help my perspective always be right. It's not about me. It's about you. And just help me patiently wait. And if you don't do it in my life, what you said you were going to do, help me still do what's right because you're faithful and true. Lord, I love you tonight. I thank you. Meet with us around these altars, I pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. <laughs>